the American Theatre Wing, and the New York Public Library for the Performing Arts bring you the American Theatre Wing's Guide to Careers in the Theatre. This session, the Wardrobe Department. Hello, I'm Pia Lindstrom with the American Theatre Wing, and with me is Wardrobe Supervisor Alice Gilbert. Alice Gilbert is one of the deans <laughs> of the uh, wardrobe department. She did the original production of Chorus Line, Dreamgirls, Chess, Will Rogers' Follies, Indiscretions, The Blue Room, and the Tony Award-winning Kiss Me Kate. She's done national tours of companies and London productions of Broadway shows. <laughs> what exactly is a wardrobe supervisor responsible for? The wardrobe supervisor is responsible for the way the costumes look on stage and the maintenance of costumes from performance to performance. Once you're in the theater, and we're talking mostly about the theater here, it's, it's somewhat different in film and television, uh, you're responsible for how they look, that they become clean. This involves shoes, repair, cleaning, washing, and pressing, ironing, supervising the people who might do this. Wardrobe is divided rather into the dressers who have a direct contact with the actors, and the wardrobe supervisor does as well, but the, da the daily dressing room contact is the province of the dressers who will be hired generally by the wardrobe supervisor. Um, the head, wardrobe supervisor is the head of the wardrobe department, which is, has all the responsibility for anything anybody wears. How many people would work for you, say? It depends, on, it depends very yeah. much on the show. On the Blue Room, there were two of us, uh, because there were two actors who changed clothes all the time, and we could have used three. Uh, but on, In a big musical, you On might a big have... musical, you might have 17 or 18. Oh. Uh, usually 10, 12, on a, depending on the size of the musical and the number of costumes that each individual has to wear. Uh, some large musicals don't have as many clothes uh, because the actors stay in Cats, for instance. There are a number. They don't wear as many costumes, so you don't need as many dressers to deal with. The more costumes they have, the more people you need to help them. And, and some of it is built into the show. If it's all about quick changes, the way Dreamgirls was, you have to have more people. Who hires you? Uh, ultimately, the company manager, the producers. Uh, usually, you're selected by the costume designer. Sometimes the costume designer doesn't have any preferences and defers to the company manager who may have worked with you on some other property. Uh, occasionally, a director may ask for you. It, it depends who you've worked with, when, how. Uh, when I did Chorus Line with Michael Bennett, uh, he wanted me to do, uh, later when he did Ballroom and Chess and Dreamgirls, uh, ultimately he, of course, sadly, did not wind up doing Chess, but originally I was there. But also the designer, Theone Aldridge, I had worked with from my days off Broadway, <laughs> and she was perfectly happy to have me do it, and I had done 
uh, chorus line at the public theater. That chorus line was the show where I moved from off-Broadway to Broadway. Are you in a union, or is the wardrobe supervisor in yeah, a union? The wardrobe supervisor and the dressers are in a union. Uh, in New York, it's Local 765, the wardrobe, uh, theatrical wardrobe attendants, which also covers television and film in New York. In California, there are different locals for film and for the theater and for TV. And in places like Chicago, there are also branches, mm -hmm. Chicago, San Francisco, Boston. Uh, major cities with major venues tend to have a, a wardrobe local. Um, it does not mean you have to be in the local necessarily to work in a lot of those cities where the work is intermittent or there may be a very few people in the local and they may sometimes need more people than they have. And they, sometimes an opportunity for, for instance, students in mm -hmm. university theater programs sometimes get a chance to dress on a, a touring Broadway show if they need a big crew and the local doesn't have that many people. And it's a and good opportunity if they call you and ask you to do it. It's a good opportunity to see how it works. Does uh, it cost uh, something to join the union? It varies from local to local. All of them have some kind of an initiation fee. In New York, we have a fee for people who want to be considered, you know, like a $100 fee. Uh, to go, be, there's an interview. There's you have to present letters of reference, and some some discussion of why you think you want to do this, mm -hmm. um, and that could be applied later to the initiation fee, which is a thousand dollars. And then once you're working, there are work dues of two percent that go uh, to the running of the local and actually to paying the international union. Is there a training or apprentice program in the union? There is not an apprentice program in this. The union does offer classes in very in very specific techniques. There are sewing classes. There right now we're running a beading class, I believe. There were there's some specific classes in prepping for television as opposed to prepping for theater. To, um, prepare, prepping means the preparation of an individual costume, mm -hmm. whether you're pressing it, whether you're steaming it, mm. what you might have to do in terms of repair. Uh, the Education Committee has offered some basic sewing classes. They've offered more elaborate construction mm -hmm. uh, on a different basis and also uh, some classes on uh, how to handle costumes without injuring yourself, which can sometimes be a real issue. <laughs> Dangerous uh, there, there costumes? Are lot, there, no, there are a lot of very, costumes are heavy. Oh, and you're carrying more than one or two of them on a hanger. The bursitis in the shoulder <laughs> and the arthritis in the knee. Uh, so it's physically demanding. It is a physically, dressing particularly is physically demanding because many of the theaters in New York and across the country, but particularly a lot of the New York theaters are old. Mm -hmm. And uh, they have stairs. And I have people dressing in, currently in Kiss Me Kate at the Martin Beck. I have people dressing uh, up to five flights from the stage. And they're trekking up and down and carrying loaded baskets of costumes, which requires a certain amount of physical demand. And it's, it's one of the things that you have to do when you're a wardrobe supervisor and you're selecting a crew. You have to bear in mind what the physical demands of each division of labor you're getting are going to be and who you can use. So balance the skills. you get strong men to carry Sometimes the baskets? I, get, I, or I always I like to have a couple of strong <laughs> and tall men. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's not it, such a dainty job. Not always. It can be, it can be, it's pretty, ba it, mm -hmm. it can be very, 
basic. I mean, inevitably, you are going to be dealing with people's dirty laundry. If you have <laughs> issues with that, uh, it's not the job for you because it will come down to that. And it will come down to the basket will be full of shoes and it will be heavy and you're going to have to bring it down. And if you can't, uh, then this is not the job for you. There will always be some jobs that don't require as much physical activity, dressing on a lower floor. And, you know, as you go through the years, you try and balance skilled, older, experienced people who maybe shouldn't be doing five floors anymore with other people who, who have no problem doing five floors. <laughs> so, and they also have to learn things, as you say, sewing, mm. embroidery, uh, buttons. It depends on zippers. each individual. Oh, button zippers <laughs> for sure. Uh, but as you're responsible for this, for a show that can run from three months to 20 years, <laughs> and the replacement costumes very often become the wardrobe supervisors concern in a large degree because the designer has moved on to other projects. The design assistants are, with any luck, learning, doing their own design mm -hmm. or working on another project or have moved on. Uh, and as new actors come in who are totally cannot wear this costume anymore or will never fit into this costume, you are in charge of consulting if you can get a hold of the designer, consulting with him and seeing we want to do the same thing. Do you want to change anything? Do you want to see what this person looked like? Can I send you a picture? <laughs> <laughs> and then going to the costume shop and ordering the costume, you know, con consulting with management to say we're now going to have to spend the money for another costume. And this is something that the wardrobe supervisor mm -hmm. Has it to has to do. So I you, mean, you, ha or mm -hmm. the, you have to deal with the costume shop as well as the Absolutely. people and, in the theater. And, and the shoemaker who actually makes shoes as, as well as the shoe repairman who repairs <laughs> shoes. Uh, it, there can be a separate milliner, there usually is, who deals with hats when you have to order and reorder hats. Or when you're having a real problem with a hat that requires really specialized techniques, it becomes we need to have the hat refurbished and it will mm -hmm. have to go back to the milliner and it will cost this much. And you then have to discuss that with company management so they are prepared to deal with that. When you say shoes, do you deal with taps on the shoes if it's a big dancing If it's, if it's, a, if it's a tap show, company? then you deal with taps. Uh, and people are very specific about mm -hmm. taps. Dancers are very particular mm -hmm. about it. Usually, and it's a great specialty for a number of people in the wardrobe, you know, there are people who have developed real specialties in the shoe area. Mm -hmm. You know, really communicating with the shoe repairman who does a lot of these things. Minor shoe repairs, we wind up doing things that can be stitched, we do, but there's the dance rubber on the bottom of shoes so people don't slip. Oh. There are taps. There are braces very often on heeled shoes. There are endless problems with broken straps on <laughs> shoes. And, you know, the replacing of this sort of thing and the finding people who can do it. And also, the maintaining the way a shoe looks. When someone wears a shoe eight times a week and dances in it, and it's pale pink lizard anyway, uh, there are people who have developed a whole expertise in painting shoes so that they look as if they were the original leather shoe. <laughs> And uh, so painting shoes is something is that one needs skill. to know as a skill. And being able to mix the colors. I mean, designers very rarely lim limit themselves to like black suede and brown <laughs> pumps. 
particularly in a musical, mm -hmm. there'll be generally a lot of colors. And they will have picked a leather originally, mm -hmm. but that leather will be two weeks on. At least the toes and the heels will be definitely not that color anymore. And we have, we have someone doing maintenance on shoes on Kiss Me Kate, where they have three pairs apiece, mm -hmm. uh, most of the ensemble. I have someone doing four hours on those shoes four times a week. Oh. Uh, and it requires that much to keep them looking uh, like their new shoes. Uh, and hose, I would think, you know, and stockings and all big, of that must be. Uh, the, the buying of, of hose, because you, you're dealing with quantities, uh, choices that are made originally by the designer, can you, can you maintain that choice? Do you have something specialty hose? Uh, there are designers who like sparkles on the hose, <laughs> and that requires pressing rhinestones <laughs> onto, onto pantyhose. <laughs> Uh, and, and the dresser and does a, this? A, a dresser will do it. Well, we have dressers and we have day workers. Sometimes they're the same people. Uh, the dressers are the people who actually assist the actors during the performance. Mm -hmm. Day workers, and this is something you find more in a professional, in a union situation, or possibly a uh, regional repertory company, mm -hmm. where most of the work that's going to be done on these clothes is not going to be done during the performance because they're wearing them. Uh, so you have people who come in during the day, we call day workers, to do it. And day, worker, day work is paid in four-hour calls, mostly, in, uh, in New York. It varies in other cities. Sometimes it's five. Sometimes some, people have, some cities have minimum eight hours. Um, and you distribute the amount of money that the company is willing to spend on day work through the number of people, you, the amount of work you have, and somehow try and make them come out even, and the number of people who would like to have day work to supplement their earnings, mm -hmm. or sometimes you're hiring people who do not dress the show because they have special skills, or because they don't want to dress anymore, mm -hmm. or uh, you know, they just want several they don't want to work nights. They do something. Right. Uh, generally, making a living as a day worker is a little difficult unless you're doing it on several shows at once. But very often, if you're between dressing jobs. Or is it a good way to begin? Uh, depends on your skills. It's hard to get people may be willing to hire you as a day worker. Mm -hmm. uh, what happens when people come and do their interview if uh, the committee feels that there's a possibility this is someone who could be a reasonable wardrobe person, somebody that they'd be happy to work with uh, or have work for them, depending. There are some supervisors on the committee as well. Uh, then they tell you to go. I mean, getting in the union doesn't mean the union will get you a job. Mm -hmm. uh, it, the union practically never gets you a job. The union is more about skills maintenance and maintaining the level of compensation and making it possible for you to have benefits like people have on other jobs, right, <laughs> like right. life and like health insurance. Health insurance. And, uh, what are the salary that, that uh, a person could earn? Uh, there's a, a per performance salary for dressers, and usually if you're, you, it'll be eight times a week for someone who is permanently employed on the show. If we have what we call swing dressers who come in to cover illnesses, absence of one, vacations of one kind or another, they're paid per show. 
uh, and it's roughly $95 a show, um, and that covers three and a half hours. Uh, day work is, uh, a four hour call is roughly $100. And if you're a wardrobe supervisor? The minimum is just under 1000 uh, and assistants are about $75 less. Um, most large shows, uh, most musicals will have an assistant wardrobe supervisor who, mm -hmm. generally speaking, can do anything the supervisor can do and is aware of everything the supervisor is doing. And the compensation difference between mm -hmm. them is usually about $100. It's not. The supervisor just has the ultimate responsibility for, <laughs> if it goes wrong, it's really your fault. But, uh, and then I suppose. But they can always act as a substitute for you. If, you know, if I have, have to leave to go and deal with the shoemaker right now during a performance, the assistant can be there. Or the assistant can leave and go deal with the person who's making tights for us. <laughs> Uh, because it, it, there's a lot of, once you're into the run of a show, there's a great deal of, of long-term things that involve shops outside of specialty people. Mm -hmm. Where am I going to find somebody to do this thing? Mm -hmm. uh, and you it requires a, a lot of management decks. time. You must yeah, have, have a lot of big Lots of, lots of specialty there. people, and there are people who paint things, and there are people who, who knit. There are people who knit for the theater because you have... <laughs> sweaters, uh, oh. socks, leg warmers, head, strange mittens, uh, <laughs> things that have been designed into the show that have suddenly, that perhaps were, were bought sometimes originally, although very often you have specialty knitting from the beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, and now you're going to have to replace it. And they must get ripped out. opening a door or well, they, they going get backstage. Ripped. And, and there are people who have special skills in repairing knitwear, but at certain points you get into they have now hired the person who is 50 pounds larger, and it has to be a different sweater. And it's finding, who are we going to get to do this? <laughs> Can we get the person who did it originally? Do we have to look for someone else because they're too busy or they won't or they've stopped doing it? Um, it, it there are a lot of continuing issues like that. Whenever you do wardrobe, and people who have been doing performance at all, who have been, and I'm, most of the people who will be seeing this, I assume, mm -hmm. have, are, they're studying the theater because they know something. They, they have performed. They've been in shows. Mm -hmm. They have already dealt with wardrobe. And some, it may have been mom. It may have been the, you know, the home act teacher. Mm -hmm. But someone has had to always deal with those clothes. And wherever you do it, you always have to deal with actors, and their problems, which are very specific, and you have to deal with the clothes themselves. You have to deal with the designer who has decided, the person, whoever they are, who has chosen what these clothes are going to be. And from a very basic level in, you know, like the kindergarten pageant where the mom decides they're going to wear, they're all going to wear red, white, and blue rather mm -hmm. than green and yellow, somebody makes those design mm -hmm. choices. And it's up to the wardrobe department to maintain mm -hmm the look as far as they possibly can. <laughs> and then you always have to deal with management. There's always money involved in some manner or form. And what changes is the amount of it and the amount of people that are involved. And you know, the stakes get higher as you go into to other areas. But essentially, your job comes back to the, the same thing. It's how you can keep the actors looking the way they should and not terribly miserable because it, it very often happens, anything happens to an actor, 
you are very likely the person who is going to be there mm. closest to and available to deal with. Uh, in musicals, which are very prone to injury one way or another, it's the, the dresser, they come crashing off, and they've sprained the ankle, they've done the foot, they've done something, and the sad part is where they have done something where they're not going to be able to finish. They're going to have to put the understudy on, and you have to get the clothes off the one who's hurt. Oh. <laughs> because very often the understudies don't have their own. Oh, there's just one and dress. And it, some, unless there's a huge physical disparity, there may be one dress, there may be one pair of dress. And, and frankly, you really don't want to send an actor to the emergency room in a costume, because you may never see it again. Uh, I mean, we have had poor emergency people standing by. <laughs> saying, wait, wait, wait till I get the boot off. <laughs> Can we get the boot off without cutting it? Um, well, the people that are chosen to work closely with the actors, mm -hmm. what kind of qualities do they have to have? Um, it will depend. There are different kinds of, of dressing. You could be dressing a star, and very often a star has a choice. Mm -hmm. A star may very well interview various people. A star may ask for things that go beyond the, the costume area. Uh, sometimes there, there are some dressers who do secretarial stuff, mm -hmm. who deal with fan mail. Almost all dressers deal with, uh, star dressers deal with visitors in some manner or form. So they would have to stay after the performance they, to greet right. the people mm -hmm. who came backstage. Very, very often. Uh, and they need to, in the interview, Everybody has to discuss that, and then there has to be a discussion with the actor, the manager, and the star is that, you know, what kind of additional compensation may or may not be expected for doing these things, because they're doing the basic dressing salary is the same for everyone. Star dressers tend to negotiate beyond, depending on what's asked for them. Uh, you could be dressing two principals who have a couple of costumes. Mm -hmm. uh, you might do be involved in a lot of quick changes. You might be responsible. Uh, kiss me, Kate. There are twelve men in the ensemble. There are two men who deal with the, the, those twelve guys plus the swings, and you need different qualities for for it's it's one way to relate to a group. It's another one to deal with an individual who may have, you know, where you're going to have more focus on an individual person's needs and not have to spread the attention quite as far. Uh, generally, someone who is sort of sensible, calm is good. <laughs> calm is very good for, for dressers uh, because in the nature of things, the actors are frequently tense. I mean, it's a very scary thing to be an actor. And one of the easiest things to decide to blame on your problems on would be your clothes. They're right mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. It can be the shoe. It can be the dress. It can be the. You need someone who's calm, who's not going to get terribly upset because somebody is deciding the whole problem with their performance is the shoe. <laughs> uh, if you can let some of that stuff sort of just mm -hmm. move by you, it. It's not a, a question of defending, <laughs> defending yourself here. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not your fault that they're having this problem. <laughs> if there is a problem with it, and you're somebody who's actually willing to address the fact that there's a problem, 
either directly by doing something about it if they can or by bringing it to the wardrobe supervisor if they can't. Mm -hmm. uh, if it's someone who wants new shoes tomorrow and they're custom-made shoes, this is not going to be something that really is going to happen. But you could certainly move that along to the wardrobe supervisor and someone who's not worried about doing it. It's also an intimate relationship. Very intimate. It, I mean, yeah. you know, you're, you're dealing with people who are naked. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, it's, uh, and because of that, there's very often a lot of exchange of sort of personal uh, information. Uh, and it's very important for dressers to be able to keep that to themselves. It's not mm -hmm. something that needs to be shared with the world. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily, because the relationship is so close within the theater, it's someone who's not going to be disappointed if they don't really have a relationship outside the theater. It, it's, it, it's bad to go into dressing because you want to hang out with actors. <laughs> it's not necessarily what's going to happen. Uh, it's a very useful, I mean, it's a job that always needs doing. And it's, mm -hmm. and it, one of the things I've always liked about it, and because as almost everyone who comes into the theater, most everyone comes in initially from a, a performance background. My, I, I performed as a child in you know, a touring children's company mm -hmm. in Milwaukee, and that was the first time I did wardrobe because the costumes all arrived in a basket from somewhere and were sort of one size fits everybody. And, but things happened to them. We did three shows a day five days a week, and like the butterfly's wings would get stepped on. <laughs> and it was the first time I was responsible for doing something mm -hmm. because somebody had to. And there really wasn't a grown-up who, was <laughs> who, who was in charge of that. <laughs> and it was just sort of, there it was. And it was and, but as people come from performing and decide that they're not suited to be performers, they don't, mm -hmm. you know, they don't like the insecurity of being performers, uh, it's bad to go in dressing and think you're still a performer mm -hmm. <laughs> or that you have some wonderful advice to offer them. Um, Where else do they come from? What other backgrounds uh, would people have? You do sometimes this? have performers who have stopped. Mm -hmm. uh, you have now many more people who come from design training uh, who decide that they don't really want to be designers. Uh, if you want to be a designer, wardrobe is not really the way to go in. It's mm -hmm. much, much better to to find the designer who will let you assist him because you're, you're finding very different things. Uh, but there are people who are in design. There are people who have been around theater and are really good at it. There are people who come into it because they sew very well. Mm. And it has happened somewhere in the country that they needed someone to sew very well and they sew well enough to make clothes. Uh, and there's a huge there's a theater or there's a pageant there's someone who needs people mm -hmm. with these skills. And then they decide eventually to see if they can make a real profession out of it. Retired mm -hmm. dancers, for example? You get example, retired or? dancers sometimes. Now, now you get retired dancers with more skills than mm -hmm. you used to. Uh, the skill level has risen considerably mm. because it's gotten more complicated. Uh, Why is it more complicated? Because it's... There have been big developments technically in scenic and lighting and sound is a whole other issue now that didn't used to exist 
there weren't microphones on people on stage. Many, so many the dresser has to be really conscious of where, where the microphone is well, in the, in the, the hair or, or the yeah, it's back. In the hair, or it's on the back. Where <laughs> is it going? How are you? How how is it going to be concealed? Uh, and they're responsible for how it will somehow stay on the actor. That's the sound department deals with the microphone, right. but how it works on the actor tends to be a wardrobe consideration. But they can move the scenery way faster than they used to be able to. Uh, the lighting changes can be much faster. You, if you see an old-fashioned show, an older revival of a musical, like Kiss Me Kate, for instance, there are numbers that are designed to be done in front of a curtain downstage mm -hmm. so everybody can change the scenery upstage. Now, musicals are written as if they were films mm -hmm. because it's the reference. Every time they set foot off stage and come back, it's, you know, 10 years later in another city, and they would have changed clothes. And so what, you're doing that in a little booth? And you're doing Where that in a little doing? booth. Where are you doing this The changing? only technical <laughs> advance you have for wardrobe is Velcro. Is, is really, you know, the difference is between how fast they can move scenery. I mean, they could write that before, but there would have to be a long transition scene while they moved the scenery in, and you would have that time take them, dress them, it would be fine. Now the scenery can go bang like this, and you're dressing people much more quickly. You're having to rig clothes in a much more complicated manner. And very often you're dealing with more actor, fewer actors performing more roles than you used to. When Kiss Me Kate was done originally in 1950, there were 40 people in the cast. Now, same play, 27 people. And so there are people who had only a small role, and that's what they did, who now have a small role, and they're in the ensemble. And I, I have one male ensemble member who changes seven times in the first act. I have another one who changes six times in the second act. Well, I how mean, do it, you keep track when the costumes all arrive from the costume shop? How do you well, keep track of we, them? We have, we have the costume plot, actually. Uh, it's the costume plot, it's right. just like the, uh, <laughs> the play plot. We have, in these columns here, mm -hmm. uh, each one of these columns represents a scene of the play. I see. Then we have the actor's name. Uh, well, this, actually, this is the character. This is the actor. And here, it's a basic description of what his costume is in that scene. Then we see if he's in the next scene. He's not in that scene. He's going to have to move further on. We'll move to another costume. Stuff right. comes out on stage. So you see then where you're, where you're going to have a problem, so where they're going to have to rush. You know, and it goes through to the total in ensemble. Each costume, oh, each costume. Each thing, but there might be a handkerchief oh, or a everything little is marked, tiny everything thing. Everything is marked generally with the actor's name. Sometimes I, d I like to do labels with the actor's name, the character's name, and the scene, uh, or in the case of a musical, a musical number is generally where you go with it. Uh, it's because there will, in the case of the run of a show, probably be people coming in someday to dress the show who have never seen the show and never seen the clothes. Oh. And it's a big help to them <laughs> if they pick up the shirt to know <laughs> this is the shirt for that scene. Uh, we also have the dressers make notes, which uh, are usually put together in either a set of sheets or very often we use a spiral bound three by five card thing which you can hang around your neck. <laughs> With very, very often, depending on the dresser and how they feel like describing it, they can be very elaborate 
and very, very detailed. And I bring them water here, do the, and others that it can be very bare bones. Uh, now they put on the green costume. <laughs> well, this is all happening backstage or in the wings. Mm -hmm. It's like a choreography that a, must be going on backstage, so oh, all the dressers aren't bumping into each other. So all of, we have one moment in Kiss Me, Kate, where three men come off stage after a big dance number and have a very quick change into a part of the Taming of the Shrew, which they're doing. And two of these guys have on boots which lace up the inside of the leg that have to be. They each have three dressers and a hairdresser on them. And uh, because there's so much that has to happen as quickly as it has to happen. Those boots have to come off. The costume that they're wearing has to come off. One of them is wearing a tuxedo. That has to come off. Uh, they have to go into another costume, which has been constructed to go on to them in one piece, oh. even though it looks like a multi-piece costume. Uh, but still, they have all the other things to come off. And they have to put on a wig, they have shoes, they ha and then they have to run on and be silly. <laughs> and, uh, and in some shows, this happens constantly. Uh, shows like 42nd Street, where you have the entire ensemble changing at one time. Uh, dream Girls, the, four, the, the three dreams, and the three guys who were part of their lives. Every time they left the stage and came back, it was like six months to a year later. And they always were changing clothes. <laughs> well, are you doing this in the dark? It's fairly dark. We have the famous bite light, which is a little squeeze uh, flashlight that you can hold in your teeth uh, <laughs> to get at things you really, that are it, the hook and eye thing, the small motor coordination can be very tricky sometimes. And it's amazed how dark it can be in corners. Uh, most of your lighting backstage will be blue, or if you're far enough over, there'll be something shaded. But you can't count on nearly as much light as you can have in a dressing room. Well, if you need more space to dress them, what do you do? Well, you negotiate. <laughs> uh, it depends where they have scenery. Uh, you know, you, you can make a booth somewhere. Sometimes or? they set up a booth. Very often, not because a booth takes, time, takes space. Depends on the theater. Some theaters are much larger in the wing space than others. Uh, some theaters, have, some productions have much more scenery that has to stay down on the deck. Uh, and you can't move, you know, you have, you're hanging things on the back of scenery. Will Rogers' Follies, which I did, had many costume changes and a lot of them very quick and usually involving a number of people at the same time because they changed three times in the op during the opening number. The Kaja Fall was a similar problem, uh, where they had changes within the number. They'd be out and there would be this many bars and they'd be back in something else. So you have to know a little bit about the music and the cues oh. and the entrances and the exits. Oh, yes. You must have your own drama going on mm -hmm. backstage. <laughs> well, setting it up can be very, very tricky. So you rehearse and, all of that? Oh, you rehearse all of that. That's what dress rehearsals are for. With any luck, you have a costume tech before you have a dress mm -hmm. rehearsal where you can address some a of the worst of rehearsal. the problems, a technical rehearsal, mm -hmm. that uh, where you can face some of the problems before. But it, very often, costumes and the orchestra come in at the same time. And no one wants to stop for the quick changes because the orchestra is really expensive and they're sitting there <laughs> and they don't really want to stop for, I mean, to keep them sitting there is an, is an expense and no one wants, you know, you to spend 15 minutes working out this change while the orchestra is on. 
but no one is necessarily anxious to do it when they're doing the lighting either. <laughs> Just, it can be, you're very often fighting for space and you're fighting for time because it's, it's often added last and it's just it's just the way it is. What is the other book you have here? Oh, this was something we did when we were, and it's something that happens very often with uh, shows that then have a touring company. Mm -hmm. And when we were setting up to do the tour, we did. Uh, you have bits of fabric yeah. and you well, have Well, this is this is actually a shoe design that I. This is the thing I had to send to the shoemaker to uh, right. say it's going to be this kind of a boot. And then in this case, we had to send the leather as well. This is not leather here. This is fabric. But those were the colors he wanted. Right. Uh, and so this was, and this went along with measurements of the actor's foot to Canada to be made. Here uh, you have many drawings yeah. and photographs of the people. You take well, this pictures is a of everybody. This is a measurement sheet. And then I like to take pictures of the actors. So that, first of all, it's a big help when you're bringing in other dressers, but it, but it's also helpful uh, for the tour mm -hmm. in that you're going to do certain number of things that are shopping. Uh, for instance, here's a picture of, uh, this is a swing from the tour of Kiss Me Kate. In his first... Uh, when you say a swing. A swing is an actor who covers a number of roles I for see. other actors. Uh, this guy, in theory, can cover anyone in the ensemble of Kiss Me Kate, singer <laughs> or dancer. And, and this here is, he is coming in his part he, of his costume. And he's getting a costume of his own because he has to cover so many people who range from 5'4 to 6'5. <laughs> so he has a costume of his own that will fit in with the other costumes. And this was primarily a useful thing for us to do mm -hmm. so that when we're going out looking for shirts, socks, things that might be bought, you have a, a size reference. You, you can look at a picture of the man and say, okay, <laughs> this will probably fit him so that you can cut down on all the things you're going to have to return that don't work. <laughs> so you're responsible for the road company as well. It depends. This, this is a decision that management makes, mm -hmm. whether they want the original wardrobe supervisor to do an overall supervision. Someone else will be doing my job touring with the show. They're, they're an, a supervisor and an assistant touring with Kiss Me Kate, as well as two star dressers. Um, it may happen that you go to, uh, they'll feel that because you've been through all of this, mm -hmm. It's worth the time. Other managements decide, no, they want each supervisor to do it on their own and set it up their own way, and then it'll be different. But a yeah. wardrobe supervisor has to be prepared to travel somewhat. Somewhat depends on the show. Uh, many shows now try out uh, a short, you know, one city out of town from two weeks to three months, mm -hmm. depending on what it is. Uh, if you're going to take a tour, of course, that's what it's about. Um, the tour of Kiss Me Kate is, at this point, a year long. Mm -hmm. um, and you look for a commitment for someone to do it uh, for as much of that time <laughs> as you can possibly get them to do. Uh, and, it's, and touring a show is, is somewhat of a different job than maintaining it in New York, because you have a lot of the same problems, but you also have the problems of teaching the show, the dressing of the show, and the setup of the show to a new group of people, none of whom generally you've had any hand in selecting, mm -hmm. uh, could be every week. Uh, on a bus and truck, it could be more than that. <laughs> it could be faster than that.
If someone uh, were going to study for this, what would you suggest? Uh, you learn it by doing it. I mean, if you are in a theater department, you're obviously doing productions. Uh, someone is going to have to be dressing. Mm -hmm. Someone is going to be dealing with the clothes. Uh, so start doing it there. What about uh, it, fabric shops taking classes in sewing? All of those design. things are. Uh, a lot of theater training programs uh, will teach costume construction, which very often begins as a sewing class, depending on your expertise. Uh, but the idea is that you'll be able to make a costume. You don't necessarily have to be able to make a costume to do wardrobe, but it would really help if you could sew. Uh, because you're going to need to repair, which is another issue. But I always tell people to do do it. <laughs> uh, well, when in, you say they, how do you get those jobs? I mean, you say well, if they want to, how would you uh, go about? If, in in your university, it'll be there'll be some way of signing up for the costume crew, and okay. maybe they will force you to work in each area. They very often. Or do. could you just go to the, the stage door and, and say uh, in some would, theater? There, there, of course, they would want a student. Uh, but you may. It's hard. It's hard to volunteer when you get to. If you're in New York, if there's a small theater company mm -hmm. anywhere, if there's a children's theater company mm -hmm. in your area, all of those areas are places where people often need people to work in wardrobe. And it is hard sometimes to retain them because mm -hmm. there can be a lot of, there can be a lot of pressure and not a lot of reward. And, uh, or there'll be someone who always does the clothes, who's always looking for help. But you sort of need a resume of some sort, so you probably need to show that you've done. Yeah, depending on where you are shows. and what you're asking to do, you can be, if you come to the stage door in New York and say, I want to do this, and you come and see me and tell me, then you should come with a resume showing me that you have somehow done this somewhere. Mm -hmm. I get lots of resumes from people who have worked in merchandising, mm -hmm. uh, which is not a good preparation. Uh, I have resumes from people who, who have totally design backgrounds, which is not necessarily uh, a good thing. I have people who come with their performance resumes, you know, acting resumes. Uh, what are you looking for? I'm looking for someone who has been in a theater and dealt with clothes before. Uh, people who have worked at regional repertory theaters, people who have worked off-Broadway, people who have worked for theater companies of any kind. Mm -hmm. They've been in a theater, they have dealt with actors, they have dealt with costumes. Uh, people who have done what's left of summer stock, mm -hmm. uh, people who have done non, you know, strange tours of uh, thing. People who have worked with children's companies, I but who have actually done the work of wardrobe rather than they've been around. They've been stage mm -hmm. managers. They've been this. They've been that. No, a lot of people decide ultimately they could find a home in wardrobe after they've tried and not done as much as they wanted to of other things. And I, I'm looking for people who really want to do this mm -hmm. and who understand that that's what this job is. Mm -hmm. And it stays the same. It doesn't really change. When you've done it, there, there are always differences in kind of interesting things that happen that are different from one show to another. But it still ultimately comes down to the laundry, the maintenance, setting the money out, doing, uh, and it, 
it is it doesn't grow into a different job. <laughs> so you really can't take this and say well, there's another place to go with it. No, you know, I mean, you might you might if you you know become someone who works in the union here, you might become a film supervisor, right. which is a so you Quite have to love the job, theater. But, you have to love living in, and in being the in the theater. In and, the theater. And it means generally six times a week, six days a week, and six, and specifically six nights a week, mm -hmm. and at nights and weekends. And it means your life is not on the same schedule as a lot of other people's. Mm -hmm. And it interferes with your life sometimes. Uh, and it means the people who come into your life have to deal with that sort mm -hmm. of thing. Uh, so... You you have to decide if you're willing to commit the kind of time because I'm in six days and six nights. What time do you come in? Uh, depends on what the day is, what's going on. If I have to do shop things, shopping before. Mm -hmm. uh, usually, I'm in between ten and noon, oh. and then I finish it. We Kiss Me Kate comes down at eleven. So and it's a I'm long pretty day. much there. It's a long day, and on Wednesday, Saturdays we have two performances. Uh, so the day workers start at nine then, and I come in a little later than that. But uh, the assistant is, you know, can be in and out too. But it's, uh, but it, it's, it's the complexity of, of arranging a life where mm -hmm. you have maybe Sunday night and Monday off. And if you're the supervisor, this is the real bad thing about being the supervisors. If Monday is the day you're off, it's not the day the costume shop is off. Mm. It's not the day the shoemaker is off. <laughs> so you get the many phone calls. Uh, and very often there are things you just have to do on that day or you won't have what you need for later in the week. And you just take a chunk of your day off and go do it. <laughs> well, what are the satisfactions? It must be something because well, it, you've it, been doing it a long time. It's a, it's always it's always interesting to, of course, be in a theater. You want to be in a theater um, if you're interested in it at all. Um, it's fascinating to be around actors, and it's a very useful job. And in that, it absolutely everybody needs it to be done. Every mm -hmm. production needs someone to deal with this, and you don't have to feel responsible for how good the play is. You only have to feel about responsible for how good it looks. <laughs> you don't have to make, I mean, I mean, I have always said one of the capacities an actor needs is the capacity to delude themselves that this is a worthwhile production because they're in it. Mm -hmm. I think if you can't convince yourself of that, you can't be a professional mm -hmm. actor. I've seen actors of 30 years, 40 years in terrible plays. <laughs> Convincing themselves that this is really good. There's an audience that wants this. You don't have to do that when you're in wardrobe. You can just know that this actor needs you for this costume, and you can make it look as good as it can. So it's the feeling needed, though. It's oh, it, 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 being needed is part of it, and mm -hmm. and you can you can come to very specific accomplishments. Okay. I mean, you can keep this costume going for two years. Uh, it. You know, it's it has its rewards that way. Um, you certainly you're around things that are exciting. You must uh, also be around a lot of uh, catastrophes. I oh, mean, interesting and wonderful. <laughs> well, and the other thing to remember do you have about any accidents that have happened. Oh, show business in general, of course, is always can be an accident <laughs> waiting to happen. Um, but you know, one of the things, of course, you have to accept always is you've been doing it for 20 years, you've been doing it for 30 years, you, whatever. 
any job can end in a week. <laughs> there is no theatrical job that cannot be over in a week. And some of them are over faster than that. Uh, the first year I worked in New York off-Broadway, I did nine shows in a year. So I was in pre-production the whole time. And I was working a day job. <laughs> but it was, it's, there, you know, things happen. I mean, people get injured, things fall over, things break. Uh, tour of Will Rogers Follies, there was a fire in the wardrobe truck. Oh my gosh. Um, and they opened it up and costumes were smoking and <laughs> there was smoke damage all over everything. And they had to think of some way, something they could do so they could perform this night. Even, and, and, and only a couple of things were actually burned, but everything was covered with smoke and grime and grit. And they had to rise to this occasion. And, uh, you know, emergencies of various kinds happen. I mean, there have been, you know, trucks get lost, things happen. Uh, floods, water, water in the theater. Um, it, lots of things happen that can affect the clothes mm -hmm. and other things that happen that can affect the performance where you lose one in the middle of the act. I mean, we put Carolee Carmelo, who is currently playing Kate, became, was, came in very ill and bravely sang and sounded so beautiful. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, through to half of the first act and then had to go because it was little, becoming physically impossible for her to be on stage. And her dresser had had to get her understudy into, thank God, Carol Lee had her own clothes, uh, into the same costume. And suddenly, Carol Lee left. Patty Goebel came on. There was suddenly a Kate who was four inches taller than the one who had just left and had quite a different speaking voice. And the audience sort of went, what happened? But it was that kind of, you have to be able to react to that sort of thing. I mean, people want to be in the theater because there are exciting things about being in the theater. It, you can be a part of something extremely special. I've been very lucky. I've been a part of some really extraordinary theatrical experiences. Chorus Line, Dream Girls, some of, a lot of really wonderful things. And for instance, with Kate, it has never been less than wonderful to listen to that score every night. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So you have the pleasure of either hearing great lines, mm -hmm. if they are, or beautiful music, Beautiful music you're lucky. and being around, you know, people who can do astonishing things, you know, terrific conductors. Uh, it's, it has its rewards, but it, people should not decide to go into wardrobe as a fallback from something that they really right. want to do. <laughs> I guess the job used to be called wardrobe mistress. Is that because it was, it was mainly women, or oh, there, do men ever do For a long time, there's... there have always been men involved on a certain, you know, one level or another. There have always been male star dressers of one kind or another. Uh, but it used to be a job uh, very often that you married into, uh, stagehands' wives, managers' wives, actresses who retire, who, because actresses tend to not have as many opportunities as they get older, as actors do. Uh, a number of people would had retired into wardrobe in various ways, uh, bit by bit. Um, 
Yeah, I think it happened very often when they're in repertory companies where they had a little part for you here and a little part for you there, mm -hmm. but there's really no point to paying you for a whole season. Mm -hmm. But how about helping out over there? And it evolved into that kind of a job. It happens still, I think, that way in the ballet sometimes. But uh, it's, you know, it, 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 now it's a job that many men do, and there are many men who are wardrobe supervisors. And there have been changes in with the advent of shows like uh, Beauty and the Beast and The Lion King, uh, where you have a lot of power tool work because you have costumes that are halfway oh, between half puppets or costumes animals. that are molded out of plastic or or rigging or oh, you know so suddenly you have the antelope has lost its leg. This is not something you can safety pin back on. <laughs> so it's something I see between set designing and costumes. Costume it's, designing. A new field. it's a new area that things have become, there have become, you know, area in certain kinds of shows that have much more I mechanical, see. less, it becomes less fabric and harder stuff. Uh, and, and, and more and more men are finding that they're interested mm -hmm. in the field. They come in to it one way or another, and there's always a certain space for physical strength in right. within a particularly a long-running show. And now, of course, it's something where you you know you can make a living. It it's not if you are a, a union wardrobe person mm -hmm. in New York that is employed fairly steadily, you can make a living at it. Uh, which used to be more a supplementary I job, <laughs> someone who was married to somebody who really made a living, I like see. a stagehand. And um, but as it's opened up and become more of a, a job in its own right, many more men have just gone into it because uh, there are a lot of men out there who sew really well mm -hmm. and have a real artistic eye and and have a good temperament for mm -hmm. doing it. Um, so it, it's not necessarily totally a female position, although there there's still a lot of women who do it, and it's one of the, one of the areas I think where there's pretty a fair amount of equality. And as far as supervisors, it's pretty evenly split between men and women. And I think the choice is virtually never made on whether it's a man or whether it's a woman. You said temperament. Beside being calm, what's the other quality that uh, one might need? There's a certain generosity of spirit that I like mm. to look for. <laughs> mm. I mean, a certain willingness to go beyond mm -hmm. what you, the absolute edge of the job if you need to, mm -hmm. just to help the struggling human being out there who's the actor. Mm -hmm. uh, to not, someone who, you know, can do that without feeling abused. Mm. Uh, and it, it varies from position to position. It really does. You, picking, picking your crew is probably the single most vital skill of a wardrobe supervisor. No picking way. the people who, you're, who are going to be working with you and for you is probably, the mistakes you make there are the mistakes that are very difficult to correct. It, it, reading the abilities is, is really a very important part of supervising. Particularly, Thank you very <laughs> much. We've been talking with wardrobe supervisor Alice Gilbert. For the American Theatre Wing, I'm Pia Lindstrom. The American Theatre Wing's Guide to Careers in the Theatre is a project of the American Theatre Wing and the New York Public Library's Billy Rose Theatre Collection, 
Theater on Film and Tape Archive.